Well, so good to have you with us this morning at our gathering here on the parking lot. It's now been over a year that we have, that the Lord has helped us to find a way to gather in person in various sizes, and many of you have been part of all of those gatherings, and so we're so glad to have you, and soon we're looking forward to being back uh, in our building. I'm dressed in army fatigues today on purpose because we are in a battle for the souls, the hearts, the minds of our children. And uh, last year at this time, I delivered a sermon. We talked about being watchmen, warrior men, making maximum impact, being maximum impact dads. And I must say that for Christians, our country is significantly worse than last year in terms of its response to Christianity. And I suspect that it will continue to move in that direction. Like planes on a busy tarmac, legislative bills opposing righteousness are lining up one after another. The war against the family, the Christian family, and Christian faith is on. And so uh, on this Father's Day, men in particular, um, I want to Help us to understand from God's word what our mission is, to make sure we understand our mission. The threats on the family and the threats on being God's people is not a new thing. In fact, it's documented throughout all of the scriptures. Satan and has always been at war against the things of God. But it's particularly important for us to know what our role is and what our responsibility is right now with respect to uh, raising our families. When you send your children into the public domain, you are sending them into a system that is entirely hostile to your values. There are three major, uh, documented in the scripture, three major reasons or three major realities that are at war with raising a family uh, in a way that would please the Lord. MacArthur in his study commentary in the book of Ephesians talks about the things that cause family damage. And of course the first is sinful nature. Before we get to all of these, I just want to mention to you, you might want to turn in your Bibles today because we're going to unpackage Ephesians uh, one verse, Ephesians 6.4 and, and one verse in Colossians, Colossians 3.21, which are instructions to fathers about the family. But um, causes for family Damage, of course, are obviously the sinful nature. Uh, sinful nature causes men to be harsh with their wives. It causes women to be disrespectful of their husbands and their husband's leadership. It causes children to disobey their parents. And it results in parents abusing their children. There's also systemic, satanic worldview Satan seeks to steal, to kill, to destroy what God is seeking to build and strengthen and protect. And then, of course, thirdly, there's the profane humanism and a humanistic world system that denies anything divine and seeks to secularize every child. We need to understand men, uh, fathers, in this climate of Marxist socialism, one of its goals is to liberate children from the home and to make them wards of the state. 
Now you're seeing this unfold before your very eyes. The agenda is to indoctrinate anti-God ideology in millennials and post-millennials. To liberate children from Christianity and from religious values. Particularly Christian religious values. That is the agenda that is afoot among us. Last year we talked about picking the right fight. Make sure that we're fighting for Jesus and fighting for righteousness. Our priorities can easily be hijacked if we're not careful in our zeal for what we're seeking to accomplish. The most important, listen to me, particularly we've learned, if we've, we've got to have learned some things during this past year and a half. And what we need to have learned is this, that the most important truth to fight for is the gospel. That's the most important. Not for physical health facts, although that truth matters. Let's not get our priorities mixed up. The highest priority, the most important truth is to fight for the gospel. And the most important freedom is from sin, not from restrictions. Although freedom from restrictions is important, our priority, our number one priority as Christian men is to fight for freedom from sin that Jesus Christ has liberated us from through his death on the cross. The goal is not to gain the whole world, but the goal is that our children wouldn't lose their very souls. So let's make certain that we are staying true to our priorities and the priorities that God has given to us, men of faith. This year, I want to talk about last year picking the right fight. I want to talk this year about pick, preparing the right weapons for the right fight. Preparing the right weapons for the right fight. Our hope to keep fighting the good fight as Paul has challenged us. Fighting the good fight for our children and for our children's children. And the scriptures um, drop this responsibility primarily on fathers. Although mothers are not excluded from this. But fathers are in particular tasked with fighting the right fight for the souls of your children and your children's children. The home is the war room for the good fight. The good fight of faith. So here are our texts this morning. Listen to this in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4. We want to unpack this today. Fathers, do not exasperate your children or provoke, rather provoke your children to anger. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Over in Colossians, Paul speaks to the church at Colossae in the same way. When he says in uh, verse, chapter 3, verse um, 21, Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Now I want to unpack this, particularly this verse in Ephesians for us today. And I want to look at it phrase by phrase and, and break it down for us. Men, listen. If you are a Christian father, you are the father of children who have the full attention of the Heavenly Father at all time. There's an interesting scripture text in Matthew. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 10. It's, it's 
not stated this way anywhere else in the scriptures, but it's a fascinating text. Listen to it. See that you do not look down on one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. The implication here that, that is given to us is that, that our children, your children, the children of Christian parents are always in the sight lines of the heavenly father. You need to understand the trust that this is as a father to know that, that there is some sort of angelic agency watching over your children who are, and the, and the angelic agency is staring in the face of the heavenly father every single second of every single day on behalf of your children. So if you're a Christian father, you are the father of children who have the full attention of the Heavenly Father. Never ever lose sight of that or forget about that. And it's a, it's a very, very lofty title to be called father. When you, when you see in this text, the first verse, that's, or the verse that starts uh, in, ch in chapter six of Ephesians verse four, the first word is fathers. The emphasis is on fathers. It's a lofty responsibility and responsible position that has been given to us of divine origin by the Heavenly Father Himself and by the divine de design of the Heavenly Father Himself. He calls Himself the Heavenly Father and establishes for us the design of that. While you're in Ephesians, look at chapter, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 15. Note there um, the design of family and the identity of family given to us by, by the Heavenly Father. We'll, we'll start in verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth, look at, derives its name. Make no mistake about it. The design of the family to the precision of being father of the family is given to us by the Heavenly Father. He has designed the family. He has established the family and what the family is and its identity. So God the Father establishes the identity of the family and delegates the father role to human men. What an awesome responsibility that is. In the scriptures, we learn, of course, that what it means to be a father and, and uh, where we should concentrate our attention as fathers and our investment as fathers. One of the great Psalms, Psalm 127, um, that I'm sure you're all familiar with, is a powerful psalm. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand in guard, stand guard in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Sons are an heritage from the Lord, children a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, are sons born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their enemies in the gate. This, this is talking about the, the very weapons of the watchman warrior man is this heritage given to us of our children. There's a play on words here uh, to the effect of 
fruitless efforts versus fruitful assets. So you have this word uh, uh, for building or builder, which is the Hebrew word banim or bonim, and then sons is banim. So there's this play on words here to help to give us some insight or, or to draw our attention to the fact that, that building, you can invest all of your time creating things and building great things and building great empires. And if it's not in the Lord, it's all in vain. The, the, the vanity of bonim. But investing in your children, the banim, your sons is a fruitful endeavor because they are fruitful assets. They are the right weapons to invest your life in and to, to encourage them and to direct them like arrows, it says here, to encourage them in purposeful, rightful living, to, to break their self-will that they might serve the will of God. And they are a trust given to us men uh, a possession that is shared, given to us by God, and we are responsible for them. The truly wealthy among us are those who have the enduring blessing of an upstanding family. The returns on that are multi-generational. Those are the weapons with which God wants us to invest our lives in. The weapons of our children who will take the gospel to the world. And of course, we also know, men, that there are warnings throughout the scripture of being or causing uh, anything to be a spiritual barrier to Jesus. There's in Mark chapter, well, in the same text in Matthew, um, Matthew chapter 18, Jesus there teaches that, uh, and whoever, it says, verse 5 of there, whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me, but if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Men, there's a warning against being a spiritual barrier or causing a spiritual barrier to be put between our children and Jesus Christ. And that warning is, a, is millstone justice. So men, beware of being or allowing anyone or anything to interfere with access to Jesus with respect to your children. Or to encourage a departure from Jesus to our children. I want you to think about the public domain in wherein you are sending your children day by day. And of course there are high expectations of being a father when we think of the fact that the design and the model is the heavenly father. High expectations. We've been given great resources. We are accountable as fathers entrusted with the identity of God to our children and with our children. To give our children the best of the meaning of what it is to be father is critical. We, we are to demonstrate the identity of fatherhood as designed by God. And what kind of a heavenly father is God? He's trustworthy. He's tender. He's loving. He's concerned. He's compassionate. He's approachable. Men, 
fathers, trustworthy, tender, loving, compassionate, concerned, approachable. So, equipped with all of that information about the Heavenly Father and the reality of what it means to be Father, the Apostle Paul states this, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not provoke your children. So, my first point is you are, if you are a Christian father, you are the father of children who have the full attention of the Heavenly Father. Secondly, don't mess up your children by abusing your position of power and authority. There's an important contrast here that the Apostle Paul sets up. And with it, in the first of the contrast, he says, this is what you're not supposed to do. Men, this is how you're not supposed to live. Whatever you do, don't live like this. What mothers are to physical birth... The setting of the bones of the children in the very womb of the mother. Fathers are to the souls of their children. Setting in place the very structure and framework of the righteousness of Jesus Christ in your children. That is our responsibility as men of God. To be life givers, to be spiritual life givers. As moms are physical life givers, men, fathers are to be spiritual life givers. So do not provoke, the word there is to provoke to anger, stir up discontent, discontent in your children or they will become angry and lose heart. There's a cultural context that we need to understand here that Paul was writing in. He's literally saying here, don't be like Roman fathers, which is what they saw all around them. Don't be like Roman. Well, what were Roman fathers like? There was a, a legal status for Roman citizens and particularly Roman fathers called the patria potestas. Patria potestas. And what that literally, what, what that means uh, from, from Latin to English is father's power. The Roman father had absolute power over his offspring for all the days of his life. To choose, to, to, uh, to, to choose for his children anything, including to have them executed. The father held absolute power in the Roman cultural context where Paul is writing this. And Paul witnessed all kinds of father abuse. And so he is saying that there's a distinction between Christianity and Christian fathers and other fathers. And that means don't mess up your children by abusing your position of power and authority. Bad fathering produces significant emotional disabilities for your children throughout their whole lives. Bad fathering produces significant spiritual disabilities regularly for children throughout their whole lives. And, and this kind of behavior, this kind of treatment of children reflects the absence of Christ-likeness in your life. 
This idea of not provoking them to anger or discouragement means not being too hard or not being too permissive. It means not being arbitrary. It means not being inconsistent. It means not being unjust or unloving or bizarre. Keep in mind, men, that children being born in the image of God have a, have a sense of justice that is built right into them naturally. So when you live among, when you lead them in unjust ways or uncaring ways or bizarre or inconsistent ways, ways that don't make sense, you provoke your children to anger and to lose heart. And the effects of that can dog them their whole lifetime. I want to give you a, a rundown of, of some of the examples that MacArthur uses in his commentary of examples of, of this kind of, of parenting that, that leads to anger in children, producing angry children who become angry adults, or producing children who lose heart and are discouraged and become adults that lose heart and are discouraged. Let me give you a list of these. If you have a pen, you ought to jot them down, especially young fathers, because you need to avoid these kind of things. The first is overprotection or overmanagement. Leave the helicopter at home. Stop hovering over your children all the time. Trust them. Guide their wills, but don't try to control them or conform them to your will to be, to be constantly conforming to the way you are or the way you see things. Don't helicopter your children. Secondly, never ever show favoritism between siblings. Not ever. Don't compare siblings. Don't favor certain talents or certain traits in your children. Remember Jacob and Esau and the disaster that was produced by that? Thirdly, don't oppressively push achievement. Okay, so you didn't make the pros and you didn't become a concert pianist. Don't try to push your children to do what you weren't able to accomplish. Don't seek to have them overachieve. Nothing, don't, don't treat them as if nothing is ever good enough. Don't treat them in ways that pressure them to, to measure up or, or that somehow they'll, they'll have to measure up in order to please you for your approval. Don't oppressively push achievement. Celebrate their abilities and their accomplishments. Don't discourage your children. Don't cause them to lose heart. How, do, how does that happen? Well, it happens when you never compliment them. When you always tell them what is wrong with them or what is wrong with this, but you never tell them that they do anything right. You're always nagging them. You're always criticizing them. You're always beating, the, beating down their worth. You're, sh you're always shaming them. <clears throat> Listen to me. When you shame children, it will manifest itself in violence. Don't shame your kids. I'm not sure what number we're on, four or five, something five. Never make your children feel unwanted, ever. Never make them feel like they're an inconvenience or a bother 
or somehow in the way of your dreams or plans. Six, never harass them about being childish. Children are children. They're not little adults. Allow them to be silly. Allow them to grow through the stages that they have to go through. Seven, never make love conditional as a reward or a punishment, ever. That's not like God. Don't grant them love when good and withhold love when they do bad things. Holding their emotions hostage, blackmailing them for love, never. And never, never physically or verbally abuse your children. Taking advantage of your size, your position, your strength, the fact that they can't fight back. Never discipline out of anger, rather by intention. So Paul sets this up as the do not, whatever you do, do not provoke your children to become angry people. Do not provoke your children to lose heart and become discouraged. Rather, says in the text, rather, see what it says. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Do this. Do set up the right soul space for your children to give them every opportunity to physically, emotionally, and spiritually succeed. None of us can guarantee that our children will grow up to love, love the Lord with all of their hearts, mind, soul, body, and strength. But we can do our part. So instead, bring them up in the discipline, two things. These are two things, discipline and instruction. I want to unpackage them for you in a few moments. It seems to me that Paul, of course, in the text here, if you look at the context, Paul is concerned certainly about children's obedience toward their parents. But it's possible that he may be more concerned about father's abuse than about children's behavior. And the reason for this is simple. The misbehavior of children is usually the result of the abuse of the father. Now keep in mind, in Paul's world, I want, to, I want to drop into Paul's world again for a moment with you. In Paul's world, listen to this, when a baby was born, if the father picked it up, it stayed in the home. If the father left it and walked away, the discarded child was taken that, that evening to the town forum and was abandoned. And there the child would be picked up as a slave or a prostitute. Dads, pick up your children or someone else will. We have a very, we have a modern day version of that all around us. Dads, if you don't pick up your children and you don't invest in your children, if you don't discipline them in the Lord and instruct them in the Lord, someone else will pick them up and will make them slaves and prostitutes to another way of living. So what does this look like? What we want to accomplish in our children 
is that they might be courageous and hope-filled and secure and adventurous. That, that we understand that they're all different. And that care is learned as they watch their father care. That being kind and thoughtful is caught more than it is taught. That thinking of others is modeled, not manufactured. So what to do? There's bad fathering and there's balanced fathering. Then the balanced fathering is how the Lord builds us. And how does the Lord build us? In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, we, we read there that all scriptures God breathed and is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness or training in the right ways to live. That's how God, that's how God grows us. And he in turn throws the mantle on fathers and says, grow your children in the same way as I grow you. Teaching them, rebuking them, correcting them, and training them in the right ways to live. And so this emphasis that Paul has for us here is that healthy, balanced fathering balances two things. Healthy physical correction and healthy verbal instruction or direction. Healthy physical correction, and the word there is padea, which means discipline, literally discipline, or training through material or physical consequences. Now I know that physical consequences are unpopular and increasingly unpopular in our culture. Well, I'm just seeking to give you here uh, teaching from the scriptures and how God trains us in Hebrews chapter 12. In verse 7 it says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone is, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Now listen, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. There is a call to human fathers to, to discipline our children in the same way as the Heavenly Father disciplines us. And in this balanced fathering, how the Lord builds us, how power is to be used, we are to be men who exercise healthy physical correction for our children. That discipline and training through physical consequences includes, includes corporal punishment at times, corporal discipline. And there's a reason for that because before the children have reasoning abilities, they understand painful consequences. And parents, if I can give you advice and 
And, and of course, there's no place ever for abuse of children or, or, uh, or disciplining them in anger or anything of that sort. But it is imperative that you teach your children that there are consequences, particularly when they defy authority or, or, uh, or risk damage to themselves or others. It's particularly important that they understand and feel material consequences to these things because the older you get, the, the more painful the consequences become to define authority and damaging people. So it is important when they're young to, uh, to want to avoid the pain of consequences by submitting to authority and by making sure that they take care of one another. So it's critical to do that, to have felt consequences for, for in, improper behavior. The second though is healthy verbal direction, the, the idea of new thesis. Instruction, admonition, literally means putting in mind. And by the way, this isn't so much about technical, factual instruction, as it is training in attitude and behavior that is acceptable to the Lord, that is honoring to the Lord. Now, what this means is, every time your kids ask you why, and they ask you why a lot, and I know as parents it drives you crazy, why, why this, why that? Don't answer them because I say so. That's not an answer. That's not what the Lord says to us. The Lord always gives us reasons for why he instructs us on things. The, the whole idea of, the, of, of this text itself is that, that they might grow up in the instruction and training of the Lord. Why would you not do this? Because you want, want to see them grow up in the Lord. We want to train our children in the reasons for why they're being instructed and taught in a certain behavior, a way of living and an attitude to have that it might serve the Lord, so that they might grow up literally in the text of 2 Timothy 3, 17, so that they might be men and women who become thoroughly equipped for every good work, that they might become convinced, verse 14, convinced in their hearts of what is true and what is right. So take every opportunity to explain to them why the discipline must come, why the instruction must come, as soon as they're old enough to reason. What we are losing in this culture is critical thinking. And the reason we're losing critical thinking is people don't understand why they should think the way they think. It's up to dads. Dads, teach your children how to think. Why to think. It's tiring. It's exhausting. It's a lot of work. But it bears much fruit. Set up the right soul space for your children, guys, so that they... You will give them every opportunity to physically, emotionally, and spiritually succeed in this very dark world. Let me wrap this up by just mentioning that all of this is that we are to father our children in Christ-approved ways. Do you notice the last phrase in the verse in Ephesians uh, 6 verse 4? Of the Lord or in the Lord. All of this that we do is founded and sourced and our instruction as fathers on how to think and how to act and how to instruct 
how to train and how to discipline, all of it comes from the Lord. And we have the Word of God. So the truth of the matter is what the Scriptures seem to teach us fundamentally, although the, the church is crucial to this and having children being instructed today at church, faith formation is sourced from the home. Faith formation is sourced from the home. The gathering at the church is a supplement to the significant work of fathering that must be done at the home. If we have learned anything, guys, over this past year, we, never, we, we, we live in times that we can't, we can't be sure of anything. But we can be sure of this, that we have God's word. We have the sure truth of God's word. We have our families. And we as fathers are responsible to be shepherds and, and prophets of our home. Faith formation is sourced in the home. In fact, the Proverbs assume this, that the household is the primary place of moral formation and social duty. So let me leave you with the last minute that I have five imperatives, guys. Be fathers first in the world that you live in, in the whatever career you have, be fathers first. Second, pick up your kids, guys. Pick up your kids or somebody else will. Third, know God's ways so that you can raise your children in God's right ways. Fourth, pick the right fights. Fight for your faith. Fight for your kids' faith, not just for your freedom. And fifth, choose the right weapons. Our weapons are spiritual for breaking down strongholds and sharpen those arrows in your home. These are the weapons that God has given you to, to shoot out into this society and direct them in the things of God that they might be used of God as a mighty army for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of this in the Lord. Father, thank you so much for your truth to us. Thank you for the fathers that are here, O oh God. I pray that you would instill in their hearts a, a fresh challenge from your word today and then a resolve to go home and, and, and start a new, uh, a new model, uh, if, if that's necessary, Lord, to make corrections where corrections are needed, to, to love our children, to grow our children, to discipline our children, that they might be straight arrows sent into this culture, this dark culture, for the things of God, I pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.